Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and we have a suddenly very full show. It has been a wild week of NFL news over the last couple of uh, last couple of days, especially. Um, so we've got a lot to talk about. Let's not delay it all. Let's go ahead and introduce the guys. He's as loyal to his friends as Saquon Barkley is to his running back committee. Jacob Allen is with us. What's going on, dude? Uh, full disclosure, I have not gone on vacation in the last five years. I've just been on other Chiefs' Zoom call meetings. That's how loyal I've been to this podcast. He's begun the prayer circles asking for Chris Jones' safe return to training camp. Sam Blackett is with us. What's going on, man? We've already sacrificed Kadarius Tony's knee. Nothing is out of the options now. And I am Sean Deegan, and I just finished mowing my front yard, so I will be joining Kadarius Tony on the pup list. So... We were going to start things off with uh, Chris Jones' discussion. We're recording this on Tuesday, July 25th. For context, for those who are listening, these episodes typically drop on the following Thursday. So for you, our lead topic's going to be a a day or two old. But for us, this is brand spanking new. So we've kind of bumped everything down, and we want to talk about the quarterback of the Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert, just signed a brand-new contract extension worth a total of $262.5 million. Uh, you can find that from either uh, Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter. They've both got numbers floating around out uh, on the, I don't know if it's Twitter or X or what you're supposed to call it now, but it's out there on the internet if you want to find it. The big note on that is that Herbert gets $218.7 million of that contract fully guaranteed as well as a no-trade clause on top of it. A massive contract over five years for who we have said is, is you know, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. He's a, he has elite talent and just has unfortunately you know, been bitten by the Chargers bug where the guys around him are always hurt and he happens to play in the same division as Patrick Mahomes. It's not his fault. He just happens to be there. This is a... And uh, kind of the next domino to fall, now we're just kind of waiting on Joe Burrow at this point. Who knows by the time this drops, maybe he'll have a contract. But let's just start here with Herbert. What was your reaction, guys, when you saw the contract? Jacob, we'll let you take the lead this time. I'm pretty stoked because it makes the Chargers – I'm going to use a word that is not like fully representative of the thoughts, but it makes the Chargers worse because your roster is just going to get thinner and thinner with the expensive quarterback and – your expensive quarterback is not Patrick Mahomes, so I'm pretty stoked that Joe, not Joe Burrow, he's next. That, that's the next one, um, which will be interesting to see if that happens this offseason or not. Justin Herbert. Again, he's not Patrick Mahomes. So they have a lot of decisions to make because I've got some guys that are starting to age who are very expensive. Sam, what about you? When you saw the news that Herbert had a new deal, what was your reaction? I am so glad Patrick Mahomes signed his deal so early. Yeah, it just echoing Jacob. It it's one of those contracts that again, it was obvious what was going to happen following the trend of, of quarterbacks, but just hamstrings a, a, a organization that isn't the Eagles um, and their cap wizardry. But yeah, it's it's a that's a hell of a deal. I mean, good for him. Got his money and. Uh, hasn't really had anything to show for it at this point. So we'll see what happens. Okay. I've got a question then. 
what has to happen this season for Patrick Mahomes to not get an off-season contract extension next season? So I guess I'm saying, like, if they win the Super Bowl, I think it's 100% going to happen. Or even a Super Bowl appearance. Like, how – what has to go wrong, I guess, for him not to get like, re-extended next offseason? He will die. Pretty much. <laughs> That's the only way. Or I am knocking on wood right now. Well, I already did. Like, <laughs> don't do that to me, Sean. That's it. No, he, he, he has to give up football and go be a monk somewhere. <laughs> go be a monk on his, his football slash soccer field he has at his new house. Yeah, and guess what? Clark Hunt will probably still give him some checks. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, hey, you, you want us two Super Bowls? Uh, thanks, bud. No, the, I mean, he'll Andrew Luckett. They'll be like, hey, listen, uh, we don't have to pay you per your contract, but we're going to just in case you ever want to come back. Yeah. No, I, I think he has to retire. There's When you look at the contracts these guys are getting, two things jump out at me. One, obviously Mahomes was the highest paid player in sports in America, in American sports at least, um, yeah. when he signed his contract. Sam's very good at pointing out to us, it's like, look, yes, there's a lot of money in America, but you look at like European soccer league, Sam's very much more well-versed in in that those kinds of sports than I am. So again, to put it in context, folks, people that don't follow any of uh, European football, Kylian Mbappe is one of the best players in the world was offered $1.1 billion to play one year in the Saudi league. That's one year. So yeah, that it just puts a whole nother spin on what contracts look like. Right. And so to my point, like Mahomes, like, yes, his contract was was massive, but he did give a lot of flexibility to the Chiefs and how how it was structured. It gives them the ability to kind of, you know, push that convert salary to signing bonus button whenever they want, however much they want, to create cap space for themselves. And that's something that I don't know how many quarterbacks do. So it showed flexibility on his part to allow for the Chiefs to have that, knowing that he was probably going to get passed up by a lot of these guys. But also, every one of these quarterbacks to sign is signed a five-year deal, which gives them the option at a certain point to either negotiate for a new contract or you'll probably have the option if, if your team doesn't sign you to a new contract on the open market. It allows for the possibility of another deal. And and I don't know that Mahomes was thinking about that because his contract was 10 years. It was a massive commitment to the Chiefs by Mahomes. And it was unprecedented at the time, and, and at least in our lifetimes as, as football fans. But I don't think it – but it definitely, like, is still in the back of these players' minds. Like, they got a ton of guaranteed money. They got it on a shorter deal so that hopefully they can get another contract. And Mahomes is like, no, I'm good here. I know I'm going to be taken care of here. I know this is the best chance for me to win here. I'm going to make the commitment. And I don't know if we'll and, see that again. Yeah, and and I, I honestly, like, don't get me wrong. I, I fully expect there to be a rework in that deal to get him back up within that range. But, like, because what we've seen, how we've seen him work his contract, that contract in the past, because it's not like he's dumb. Like, that's the thing is, 
he signed that deal and, and it's not like it's a stupid deal or anything. Like the man's going to have more money than he'll ever spend in his life. But I still don't expect him to get a contract that's going to hamstring us. So like, I know we're already jumping off topic, way off topic, talk about future contracts with Mahomes, but like, that's the, that's the amazing thing about some of these deals we've seen with, with recent quarterbacks is it's just like, how are they going to have anybody else on the team? Yeah. The salary cap's going to have to explode. Um, or you're going to have to have a, a cap wizard like Howie over in Philly. Like there's no other way, which kind of brings us to the next point that Jacob brought up you know, before we started recording um, and kind of alluded to when he took his turn to talk. And that's the chargers are going to have some decisions to make because this team was kind of last offseason built to be, to get Herbert over the hump. You know, they go get JC Jackson. Mike Williams is, is, you know, back healthy and literally then gets hurt. Keenan Allen is hurt. JC Jackson gets hurt. Khalil Mack gets hurt. Joey Bosa is hurt. Like all these guys that are supposed to be major. Derwin James is, gets hurt. They have everybody hurt all the time on that team. And their best linebacker is now a chief. So where do we expect this team to go when it comes time to make the decision on guys like Mike Williams or Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack, um, those guys that German James just signed an extension. So it seems like he is part of their long-term plans for the time being, but the rest of these guys, you know, they're kind of getting up there towards that dreaded 30 mark, 30 years old and are not going to be cheap. So Sam, we'll start with you. How do you, what do you think? Try to phrase this in a way. How do you expect this to affect how the chargers handle those contracts Maybe not this, obviously this offseason, but next offseason when maybe they have to start making some decisions. Yeah, I think it's it'll be a very interesting situation because with a contract like that, you are not it is not saying that you're like you're rebuilding. You're not you're not even the Lions where you're competitively rebuilding. Or uh, like it's it's you are going to win now, but the problem is it it means that you have to almost build entirely through the draft save maybe one or two positions so i i fully expect to see them starting i mean it wouldn't surprise me if you start to see a lot of even either trades to try to acquire draft picks with some of these guys that are still in the other even though they are injured like maybe hampered by injuries in the past in in the upper echelon of their of their position um, trying to, to pawn them off to get extra picks to try to build through the draft with rookie contracts or just outright not being able to pay guys that are key pieces to their defense. I, I highly doubt Mike Williams or Keenan Allen are on that team in a year or two years. Like obviously Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is, I don't think, long for that city, unfortunately, as much as he's done. But Mike Williams, I can't imagine they're going to try to put too much money into him because he hasn't produced. Joey Bosa, like it's it's just it's going to hamper everything they do, and they're really going to have to draft well to to live up to competing with that contract. I'm pulling up all the contracts here, the the big names as we speak. But before we get into those, Jake, what about you? You're kind of the one that presented this idea to us. What do you think is going to be the the fallout from giving Herbert a massive deal. We've kind of seen what's happened with the Chiefs with a situation like Tyree Kill after they gave Mahomes his deal. Where do you think this takes the Chargers now? 
I think Austin Eckler is going to be real thrilled about this, you know, considering he started the season looking for a contract or off season looking for a contract extension. And they're like, uh, okay. Um, let's see what we got, Austin. Yeah. So I guess I would expect Austin Eckler to be dealt or maybe this was to clear up money for him. I know last week we said this where we said, you know, like the Bengals are just the chiefs, but this feels like, a version of the Chiefs we've known in the past of like when they had the expensive Eric Berry, Justin Houston type deals to deal with. And it was just like, where are we going to go with this? But we didn't even, the Chiefs didn't even have an expensive contract at that time was the other crazy thing. It was just, they had guys that were aging and expensive and it didn't feel like the team was going to get over the hump with the ones they had. Okay, I think I've got most of them up. I'm pulling up Austin Eckler right now because I think this is the last year of his his deal. But here's here's kind of what we're looking at. All the guys are impossible to cut, obviously, this offseason. You would have been carrying a ton of dead cap. You would have not saved uh, nearly enough money to make it worth your while. Next offseason, however, is the last year for Mike Williams, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, and Keenan Allen. All of those contracts are on the last year of their deal at that point. So Mike Williams, if you were to cut him next offseason, you would carry about $12.4 million in dead cap, but save $20 million, you'd net you know, $8 million in savings. Um, Khalil Mack, you'd be carrying $15 million in change. In dead cap, but you save twenty three point two, so you're saving what about eight million there. And then Joey Bosa, he his his is actually better if you can wait <laughs> wait a year because his his contract's the one that is still hard to cut because you would save fourteen million fourteen point three, but you're still carrying you know twenty two million dollars in dead cap, so it doesn't make a lot of sense for you to cut him at that point still. You're not you're not saving enough to make it worth it to me. The next year though, in twenty twenty five, you'd save twenty five point three and you're only carrying seven and a half million in dead cap. And then Keenan is dead cap next offseason if you cut him eleven point six, cap savings is twenty three million dollars. And then I think Austin Eckler is actually yeah, Austin Eckler is a free agent at the end of this year. So that's what you're looking at. You have outs with at least three of them of the big contracts you're currently carrying. Derwin James just signed an extension, so he's he's locked in. But this could look like a very different Chargers team next year. Um, I think I'm not even sure what J.C. Jackson's contract looks like, but that would be the other big contract that I think they they'd have to carry at this point. And I don't think there's an out for a while. Yeah, not until probably 2026. You're looking at him. You know, you could cut him in 2025, but it's not worth it. So suffice to say, there's going to be a lot of changes with the Chargers. And you have. I, I wonder how much of the changes that are coming next year might impact Brandon Staley's future with the Chargers. Because there's always been, already been a lot of hot seat stuff around him. And you just signed a quarterback to a massive deal. You have a lot of, new, of your – what traditionally been thought of as your you know, pillars coming up on decisions where you might move on from them. It might make sense at that point if the team still underperforms to find a head coach you think can be with Herbert for the long haul in this contract and reshape the team how they would like to.
Sean, I'd also like to point out that uh, in 2025, they're going to have to make a decision on Nick Neiman as well. I was looking through their contract oh. or seeing who was on. I had completely forgot about J.C. Jackson. And there's a couple of Chargers guys that took pay cuts this offseason to, I guess, apparently give Justin Herbert a new contract. Yeah. Well, it worked. But I think it'll make it a very different team next year. Last thing here on new contracts, and then we will move to the Chiefs discussions that we had originally planned to start the show off with. But kind of a surprising contract in that Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants signed a one-year deal, which is the only thing you're allowed to sign once you get past the uh, July deadline to sign an extension on a franchise tag. So essentially, so that's why it's kind of rare, because you're already on a one-year deal that's fully guaranteed. It's It doesn't make a lot of sense to sign um, a new one-year deal at that point. Unless you're Saquon Barkley, who can now get not just $10.1 million fully guaranteed, but has the chance with some incentives to increase that up to $11 million. This is from CBS.com. But Saquon Barkley did sign the rare one-year deal to replace the franchise tag. And I'm still, I haven't found what the incentives are, but can get that $10 million up to $11 million. That doesn't seem like enough if you were if you'd asked me, you know, yesterday before this news dropped to get Barkley to sign and report to camp. But I guess it is. So again, kind of same question about Herbert, maybe from a slightly different perspective, but what was your guys' reaction to this contract? Jacob, we'll flip things around and let you take the lead on this one. It's the future of the running back. I mean, we didn't I think we kind of said it about you know, talking about maybe not a ton of guaranteed money, but I think this is where your veteran running backs go is every year's a prove it year, or it's like a DeAndre Hopkins type deal where it's like, it's two years and not a ton of guaranteed money. So we can dump you if we need to and have, you know, incentives on the end of it too, of if you play until this date, we'll give you more money. So that was kind of my reaction to it, other than just, wow, that was a quick heel turn on, We've got to stick together running back. We're not going to get paid. Hey, guys, uh, the Giants offered me a little bit of money, so I'm going to take it. Sam, what about you? How did you feel? Uh, what was your reaction when you heard Saquon had signed the one-year deal? It was very strange. Like, okay, so, and maybe you know this, Sean, does this reset their ability to place the franchise on them next year? Yes, like you can a, be tagged again next year. That's a very you good can question. Do it two yes. years, right? Mm-hmm. You can be tagged twice. Does this reset it so they still can do it tagged twice? That's a great question. Let me look. I'm looking up a couple right. other articles as we speak. Because I, I don't know the answer to that. Before. And that was an honest one where I was like, if that's if that does that, that was so stupid. Now you can be tagged again two times. But yeah, it was just it was odd. I didn't. I, Money's money, I guess. I, I don't what it is what it is, but it, it's just a very it was a very strange, very quick turnaround on the that's not enough money, but oh now it is. So the only thing I can think is maybe it it, it voids basically a, a tag year and he gets a little bit more money, but yeah, I'm looking. That's a great question. I'm not seeing anything because I went through all the reports initially, and I didn't. I didn't 
God, that's a good question because if he can now get tagged again, that yeah, would be... I, I, I would imagine it. I would guess he can't. I, I would guess that the, he's can still be tagged one more time, but it doesn't like reset this year's tag. Right. But right. if it if it does, that was real stupid. Like, yeah. just what are you doing? But yeah, that was the one question I had. But it, yeah, like I said, just just an odd, weird situation as a whole. Right. Because that's the thing. It's like. Uh... Because if you sign the tag, you get the $10 million guaranteed. Based on everything I've been able to find, it doesn't look like the bump to $11 million is a guarantee. It just says, up, worth up to $11 million is how Rappaport phrased it when, it was, when the news broke. Um... And then $2 million of that is converted to signing bonus, so he gets that money right up front out of the, the total amount. I feel like that sets a really rough precedent for running backs who are considered elite or even just, you know, very good to, top, you know, that top tier or maybe the next tier down because you just took a guy who I think is a, a top five running back in the NFL at worst and probably, to, to me, is probably top three when he's at his best with guys like CMC and Jonathan Taylor. And all it took was not even more more guaranteed money. It's the opportunity to make $1 million more than you would have. Which, if you ask me $1 million more, I would, I would run over someone in traffic. Like, let's do it. But for these guys, they live in such a different economy it didn't seem like enough. And so I want to know what the fallout looks like from this, from the rest of these disgruntled running backs. I, yeah, I don't but, think this sets a great precedent for them. And, and did you say, did you, were you find, did you find the incentives? Cause they're not great. Oh, so, I haven't. No, if you've got them, tell me. Yeah, no, his, his incentives aren't fan. Like he's it's 900,000 for the thresholds include 1300 yards, rushing 11 touchdowns and 65 catches. So he has to have a pretty dang good year to get his incentives. And we know he has historically had injury issues. So it's, it was just a weird, like if the incentives were like, Oh, 800 yards, seven touchdowns. And maybe if, since they threw catches in there, which was strange, but 30 catches, I'd be like, oh, that makes sense. But like, they actually set it at a, okay, you have to perform to get your money. And it's like, Okay. And has to perform better than last year. I found the, this article from Yahoo Sports, and if I had scrolled down a little bit further, I would have seen the incentives. But um, but they also have his stats from last season, which he had 1,300 yards last year, 10 touchdowns, and 57 uh, receptions. So he already had you know what I would consider an exceptional year and didn't get to the numbers that they just gave him. And also, like, you hear a lot of players talk about how, like, they're X amount of yards from something or they're a touchdown away from this or a catch away from this incentive and maybe they get pulled from a game at a time when it looks a little fishy. Kareem Hunt. Yeah, yeah. Do you really want to, if you're Saquon, or Jamal, you're, you know, yeah, what if you get the catches in the yards and you're a touchdown away and all of a sudden you're on the five and here comes Matt Breida again. Like, that's... So all I, 
All I got to say is Daniel Jones better not walk down any dark alleys because Saquon's going to be waiting for him to corner and be like, listen, you dump that ball to me every time. I don't care you got Darren Waller. You give me the ball. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, the Giants decided financially. They're like, Daniel Jones is the reason we were were winning last year, not Saquon Barkley. (laughs) Um, Jamal Charles also got done dirty in Denver because he was heading for Wall, not Kareem. Oh, okay, yeah. So he got done dirty in Denver too, over like a couple, like, like hundred thousand dollars or something like that. And they're like, "Yeah, we're shutting Jamal down for the year. We're just looking to save some money." It'll be interesting to see how it all pans out, but definitely a weird turn considering where we were just a few days ago. Let's get to the Chiefs discussions because training camp has begun. I'm just at times of doesn't exist anymore. I can't believe we're already in training camp and pads are about to come on here pretty quick. So let's talk about the elephant in the, in the room or rather the defensive tackle, not in the room. And that's Chris Jones. So we've done this once already with Chris in that time around, they were able to get the extension done prior to training camp. This time it did not happen. I'm more nervous than I thought I'd be at this point. I know when we talked about this, I think it was just, what was it last week? Maybe two weeks ago? I can't even remember. We talked about it, and I said, I think we were all kind of around the same timeline. Like, if he's not there for the first preseason game, we're nervous. But there's just been some things that have kind of come out about when you've been, when I've been listening to some of, like, the, the guys who are actually connected, like your Nate Taylors, your Sren Petros of the world, like, that have made me feel a little more nervous. So I want to get your guys' um, takes on this, and, and I'll preface it with kind of the report that came out from Schefter where he talked about how the Chiefs and Chris Jones are, quote, far apart, close quote, and they're in where they thought they'd be in contract negotiations. So, Sam, we'll let you bat lead off here. How, how do you interpret that description for the Chiefs and Jones? Is it just posturing? Do you, do you take some, some weight with that sentence so that they're far apart in the negotiations? How do you how do you feel and interpret that sentence and where the Chiefs are at with Chris Jones? So first, let me start by saying, pay the man his money, and let's get done with this stupid, stupid conversation. So that's what I'm going to start with. Secondly, I think there's a lot of posturing going on because Chris Jones wants to be paid as the player he is. And the Chiefs need to figure out how they're going to pay him. Jay, what about you? How did you interpret that that description? Where are you at with the the sentence that the Chiefs are far apart with Chris Jones? Yeah, Sam nailed it saying wanting to be paid as the player that he is. It's like we know he should be paid closer to Aaron Donald than he was. We just didn't want to admit it. If he is, you know, being we we have no inside information. If he is being hard headed as like, I need thirty million a year. I don't want a bunch of unguaranteed money because, you know, unguaranteed money means nothing. You can just dump a guy whenever. Ideally, that's how I want the contract to wind up is there's a lot of wiggle room on it where it lets them shift it around or if something happens to him injury-wise, it's not a big deal because that's what worries me about him is I think ideally I'm happy if they keep it under 30 and it's not for more than three years. It's like if it's if it's beyond three years, I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, I 
not not excited. Um, I'm more nervous now than I thought I would be with him not being there. And it might just be, you know, recency. Like, hey, we're here and he's not here and there's nothing else to talk about. So this is what everyone's talking about. And that makes me nervous because it's just constant. But I was listening to Seren Petro on the program, I think it was yesterday. And he was talking about, he, they played a clip from Andy Reid when they asked Andy the first time about Chris Jones. And he said, we had good communication. And Seren pointed out, like, that is a past tense sentence. We had good communication. And so we'll see where things go. So do you not have good communication now? Like, are we locked in a stalemate where it's like, nope, this is what we're willing to offer. We're not willing to pay a 29-year-old more than that. And Chris is like, I wanted closer to Aaron Donald money last time. And now I have an even better case for it, minus the age. Pay me. And so I'm, between that, the report, I initially thought the report from Schefter was just, you know, traditional, like, the agent throwing something out there going, yeah, we're not close. We need to get more like a, you know, negotiating thing. That happens all the time. But just some of the other stuff that's come out makes me nervous. And I'm not sure that I'm as, as confident about where I thought things were going to go as, as I was when we first started having these discussions. I was for sure like Chris Jones is going to be a chief. And now I'm starting to wonder, is this, a Tyree Kill situation 2.0, you know, and just you don't get the immediate gratification that you did with Tyree Kill because you had those picks prior to the draft. And the draft was right then and there, as opposed to now where you're going to have to play the whole season, more likely than not, if Chris Jones were to be dealt before you actually see the fruits of that, of that transaction. I do want to ask because I want to be proactive as opposed to reactive the way I think I was with Tyree Kill, I think the way most of Chiefs Kingdom was with Tyree Kill and that trade that went down. What's the number that makes you walk? What number does Chris Jones go, I need this number, and you go, that is financially irresponsible for the future of this team, and it puts us into a Chargers-like situation. Where, where does that line get drawn for you guys? Jacob, we'll start with you. Again, it's like, once you approach 30, that's when I'm really getting kind of nervous. And it kills you this year to trade Chris Jones. I'm not going to try to lie to you. I think it legitimately loses the game in the playoffs if you trade him. But does it mean that you win three more additional games in the future because of it? Because you got back two first-round picks? The one that I'm uh, tinfoil hatting on Twitter is, the Bears are calling, and you get back that Panthers pick from the Bears. Because it's like, man, that's going to be a high pick. That is not a roster that's going to all of a sudden turn around because they got Bryce Young. Sam, what about you? You open with very adamant pay the man, which I think we're all pretty much on board with. But what's the line for you? Where does it become a point where you're like, this is going to hurt the team long term, and I'm not willing to do that, and you move on from Chris Jones? I think you go over Aaron Donald's deal, which obviously isn't going to happen. That's when it hurts. $30 million a year, it's a lot. There is no doubt in the world that that's a chunk of change that we're going to have to deal with. But what are you going to spend the money on outside of that? 
obviously it goes to restructuring deals with Snead and with Willie Gay, Bolton potentially. You tell me, and they're younger players. Like, like it's it's death by a thousand cuts, regardless of the way you go. But you're telling me any of those guys right now are more important than Chris Jones? No. Any of them more important in the next three years than Chris Jones? Not in a damn chance. I I don't like, I don't see that. Bolton maybe. Bolton's the one that's like, yeah. But we just signed Drew Drew Tranquil off the Chargers for pennies, like. You get generational players very rarely, and you like keeping them in a situation like the Chiefs are. If we were not, if we were sitting at the Chargers right now, say we we swap places, like teams team record wise is Chargers and Chiefs. Chris Jones gone because you're not competing for a Super Bowl. Like you're not beating that next layer of teams, but we are that next level of team. So we need the player like Chris Jones. So you pay him upwards of. 29 to 30 million dollars a year and then you figure it out after the, after you get it done because like uh times ours uh, finally got a chance or listen to theirs right before our podcast what does it tell the rest of your your locker room when you don't sign your defensive captain the most important player on your defense it's not going to look good the rest of the guys that you're trying to sign because they're going to be like <laughs> you didn't sign him what do you think you're going to do to me like so yeah, it, it is. There's so much more to to this conversation than just oh, it's thirty million dollars a year. No, it's thirty million dollars a year, or you're losing your defensive captain, you're upsetting everyone else, and you're setting yourself back below several other teams because you don't have the best defender on your team anymore. I think that's fair. I mean, you lay it out well too, because it's like you get that. Let's let's you know go down my tinfoil hat stream stream, but. When the Seahawks traded Jamal Adams, and that was midseason, they got two firsts for him. I don't think it's crazy to say that Jamal Adams and Chris Jones are kind of same caliber. Jamal Adams is just younger. That's the only reason I'm, like, hesitating. But it's like, how many years does it take you to really get back to where you were, like Sam said, of, cool, we just got the best pass rusher from this year's draft, but he didn't make the impact until – two years afterwards so that was the end of the Chris Jones contract so yeah it's tough to balance well like I said it's always I think you're always playing the game as a GM and I'm sure they are of hey who keeps calling us about him just to see what the 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 trade compensation would be because I'm sure they have a number of like hey somebody offers you three first round picks you're like Chris Jones you've been an asset here but that was our price so here's Aaron Donald's deal 95 million total value over three years. They've got weird void years, and I hate void years. And screw contract completely when you're trying to understand it and you're not, you know, a math guy like me. But total guaranteed was 65 million that he could earn. The fully guaranteed amount that he was getting, no matter what, was 46 and a half. So total guarantees he could earn was up to 65. Fully was 46 and a half. I think my number is more about the guarantees than it is what that average per year looks like. So for instance, if if it's 30 million, right, over 4 years, 30 million a year. I'd be more concerned if 
the guaranteed money was like 80 million, right? Like you wanted to really just put a stamp on, you've earned this more than Aaron Donald. And that's, and that's an extreme example because no, no defensive tackle. I'm not, even sure, I'm not sure how many players that are not quarterbacks have come close to 80 million guaranteed. So it's an extreme example, but like if you got to like the 70 million guaranteed mark, if you're pushing that and it's like fully guaranteed, I'm nervous. I don't, I don't, I think that would be more where I get concerned about. It's less to do with the average per year and more to do how much are you committing and limiting your flexibility to then put talent around him going forward. Because I, I'm with you, Sam. Like I, I love Jerry Sneed more than most. I think the only, one of the only people who, who likes him more than me is Ryan Tracy on RGR Football on YouTube, who's the guy that like kind of pointed me to Snead. It's like, no, this guy's going to be great. He's going to be great. And I would never put Snead ahead of Jones. I think he might be the second most important player on that defense after him, but it's like Chris Jones, Grand Canyon, Jerry Snead. Like, it's that kind of a chasm. Just because Chris Jones is that good. He's that level of an elite player. He will be probably in the Chiefs' ring of honor at some point, at minimum. If he continues this pace of sacks where he's you know now just getting double-digit sacks every year, he could push for the Hall of Fame. He'd have to play out the full contract, obviously, and be highly productive to get to that point, but he's at least a Chiefs' ring of honor member. But if you get to a point where the guarantees inhibit your ability to then put more talent around Patrick Mahomes, or to continue to build that defense going forward, then I get nervous. I, I don't care about the average per year as much, but that guarantee is going to be the what steers me away. In a worst-case scenario, and Sam, you kind of alluded to this already, but in a worst-case scenario, they trade away Chris Jones. We say worst-case because I don't know what the compensation is, right? Maybe they get an absurd deal where they get two firsts, which I don't think is realistic, but maybe somebody goes bananas. What what does the defense look like without him? Like how how do you feel about it? You're relying on Karloff to someone end and a rookie on the other and some you know vets to cycle through. Charles Amenehue now kind of what becomes like a three tech almost full time. You're you're talking about a very different kind of defense without him. So how do you feel about it without Chris Jones? Sam we'll start with you. It's it's Drastically different, let's put it that way, in that I think the thing you will probably notice in just the most blaring aspect ever is our secondary isn't as good as you think it is. Like, without having Chris Jones coming straight up the middle at a quarterback, pushing that pocket and not allowing him to just do what he wants – there's going to be a lot of easy ways for these quarterbacks that are able to do 90% of what Patrick Mahomes can do, 95% of what Patrick Mahomes can do, just sit back there and say, okay, go run. Bengals, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, have fun. Go play. Because, yeah, it, it's not it's not appealing. Like, like I said, I like, as we talked about in the past, I really like a lot of the pieces that are on the defensive line outside of Chris Jones. But there is such a monumental gap between what even like Charles Amenehu or George Karloftis, the two guys that I think we are expecting to be the second tier pillars of the defensive line, 
and what Chris Jones is. Like, it's just, they're the, they're holding the awning up around the outside. Chris Jones is the weight bearing pillar in the middle. Like, it's just, it, it will be, you, you will still be, like, like I said, we'll still have a chance we have Patrick Holmes, but Chris Jones won us the Bengals game. Jacob, what about you? Uh, how how do you think this defense looks? How do you feel about it without Chris Jones? Yeah, it's completely different. It's, I'll say, 10 spots worse. Because you, I mean, unless Felix comes out and really surprises us, it's just like, where do you get that consistent pressure from? I think you have three Russians that are, without Chris Jones, I think you have three rush edges that are, like eight to ten-ish sack guys in Omenahue, Karloftis, and and Felix eventually. I'm not going to say this year he's going to reach that, but I think that's what all three of those guys are, but guys that will never have, you know, above 15 sacks because then you're talking, you know, like all-time seasons. But, but yeah, it's tough. And then, like I said, those guys are only so many rushes. Yeah, I it would be a big problem, you know, especially since – Look at the wide receiver room. They're not going to go crazy on anybody this year. This is not a team that has a wide receiver that's just going to tear up defenses like you've seen in the past with Tyree Kill. So it's scary. Uh, I'm being talked into paying Chris Jones a lot of money as we talk. There is there is a scenario where this defense is still a middle-of-the-road defense and looks really good at times and other times, you know, gets exposed just depending on the matchup if Chris Jones isn't there. I fully believe that. I also believe there's a scenario where Chris Jones leaves and this is a bottom third defense. Because now the leagues have tape on Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams at corner. You've got tape on Trent McDuffie. You've got uh, tape on George Karloftis. You're going to be relying on a rookie defensive end opposite Karloftis with Felix on Yudike Osama because a mini who's going to have to play more three tech. You're going to be relying on Tershawn Wharton coming off an ACL injury and uh, Daniel Wise from Kansas, renowned football university, University of Kansas. So I'm not thrilled. Like I like a lot of the pieces, but I think to your guys, you guys have both said it really well. Sam, I love your your the image you put in my head of the the weight bearing pillar. Chris Jones does a lot of that heavy lifting, so other guys can can perform. Like I don't know if you can move Snead around as much and play as free as he does without having a guy like Chris Jones. I think you might need him to play opposite Trent McDuffie more often. He doesn't get to play the slot as often. I think that you. I think you might see a lot more blitzing, which leaves guys out on an island just to get pressure because I don't know who the main guy is that's going to generate pressure. Unless Karloftis really takes a big step forward, which we hope for, but I think it's you just don't ever want to put that pressure on somebody to, to be that guy right away. So I'm I'm nervous about that defense without Chris Jones. I think he is that important to it. I think he is the thing that makes it all go. And without him, I don't know how effective it really will be. And that's why I think I'm not super nervous because if we know that and we see that, you're telling me Brett Beach doesn't realize how important Chris Jones is. And that's the one thing that I'm like holding on to where it's like, he's not that dumb. Like no one's that dumb. 
Let's move on to the next bit of news that came out of Chiefs camp, which is almost as bad as what we got with Chris Jones, and that is that Kadarius Toney tweaked his knee in warm-up shagging punts. And when I first fill out this rundown, that was all the news that we had. So Kadarius Toney had tweaked his knee. Since then, Kadarius Toney has had a minor surgery to clean up his meniscus because apparently he had off-season surgery to repair damage to that meniscus. And I don't know that that was actually that widely reported. I don't remember hearing or seeing anything about that at all. Same me, tweaked it, went in, and had more, had another operation, a minor one is how it was reported. I think Nate Taylor was the first one I saw it from. And so he's going to be out for a minute. It's not a weak thing. And how Andy Reid described it, I found, okay, I found one of the tweets from the press conference. This is off of uh, Sports Radio 810's Twitter handle, or X handle. Ah, that's so stupid. Andy, uh, Andy Reid says that Darius Tony had surgery on his knee and that, quote, there's a chance he'll be back in time for week one. I am so frustrated <laughs> with this crap. How do we feel about this bit of news? How concerned are you about this new injury? Because initially I put this on here thinking, like, we might get a range of opinions. You know, he tweaked his knee. That could mean anything. We don't really know. Let's wait and see. Now we know that he's had surgery. So how do we feel? Sam, take take the lead on this one for me. Where where are you at with this most recent injury for Kadarius Tony? I'm going to give you one piece of hope, Sean. And this is – and, again, I, I'm it's disappointing. Let, let's put it up. Let's get that out of the way. It sucks. Like, we – I think all of us were hoping that we could see a healthy Kadarius Tony and see what we had as a potential number one wide receiver at the start of the year. The one thing I'm going to say, and this is coming from a fat, retired, low-level college offensive lineman, when you have problems with your meniscus, it messes everything else up. You can't stretch properly because it hurts. Like, there's so many levels of that that I look at, like, his injury history. I I saw a tweet right before we kind of got going an, an X or whatever you want to call it as we're having a confusion on that topic as well. Uh, all his injury history and like some of them are random, like strains and, and contusions, but a lot of them are leg, ankle, knee injuries. They're, they're issues with the lower extremities of the body. And I, I'm looking at this as, okay, let's get this guy healthy. Cause that's one thing he has never been in the NFL is healthy. We've never seen him as a healthy player. And the way he plays, he has to be 100% because of his overall agility and and his ability to bend and move. So my hope is, and this is where my, my one piece of hope of hearing that, okay, he's going back in for another surgery, is there was another player we saw last year that had this. It was J.K. Dobbins, where had the surgery, then went back in to get it cleaned up. And then about right at the end of the year, it was like, oh, that's the old J.K. Dobbins that we were like, yeah. So it has been seen before where it's like the first one didn't quite get it cleaned up. 
the second one did. And that's that's what I'm holding on to with him because again, we don't even know what we have. Let's be honest. Like we are we it's a hope and a prayer at this point that we have a number one receiver on this team outside of Travis Kelsey, because let's be honest, Travis Kelsey is the number one wide receiver. But I think that's that's the one thing I'm looking at is like, okay, this sucks. Like I would have loved to see a full season with him. It doesn't seem like we're going to get it. But can he be healthy for the second half of the season? And that's where I'm kind of at right now. Jacob, how about you? Where How concerned are you about this most recent injury from Tony? Has the ink dried on that uh, DeAndre Hopkins contract? That's how I feel about it. You want to be mad about it and frustrated, but you're just like, yeah, go figure. I mean, it's going to be – I think it's going to be his, his career is – Darius Tony's hurt. Darius Tony's hurt. I think you're also seeing Chiefs will not resign this man because of how often he's hurt. But you can get, I think if you can get Sammy Watkins amounts of play from him, this was a good deal for the Chiefs because you're also not paying him like Sammy Watkins. So most of my frustration isn't even with Kadarius Tony. This kind of goes back to it's not McCole Hardman's fault where he was drafted. He was drafted in the second round, and Brett Veach should have known better, right? Like, that's on that's on the evaluation staff. That's on the general manager. That's on the coaches who said, this guy can be it. You gave up a third and a sixth to go get Canaries Tony, which is fine. Like, I at the time, I was like, okay, that makes sense. It's the compensatory third rounder. Uh, that they got from Ryan Poles uh, going to the Bears. It's fine. I went back and looked. Uh, that pick actually got traded to the Raiders, and they got, um, I think his name's Trey Tucker. He's a wide receiver. Sounds an awful lot like Canaries Tony, kind of a gadget player. Not the same size, but very fast, very elusive, explosive player. A um, lot, of, lot of athleticism for his size. My frustration is... What else could have been done with those picks? You know, Canarius Tony, yeah, there's massive upside. We've seen it. We've seen the, the movement. We've seen the explosion. We've seen the, the, being, the ability to high point a ball, to catch a ball in traffic, and, and make a bunch of guys miss. He offers a lot of the same things that you were going to you use, both Tyree Kill and Nicole Hardman uh, in and for when you would do like end arounds versus like that, that kind of a style of play. He's, he's elite at that because of how he moves. Sean also throw in there massive punt return in the Super Bowl. Massive. Yeah. Massive return ability when you really needed it the most, when we were really uncertain of how the return game was going. There's, there was, there were plenty of reasons to go get Canarius Tony, right? I mean, don't throw out that he's had value already. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying that, but I want to know, is there something else that could have been done with those picks? Because as valuable as, as Kadarius Tony was on that first touchdown in the Super Bowl, the little whip route they do, the corn dog route, they ran the same play with the wrong alignment, and Sky Moore scored his first touchdown of his NFL career. So if though, And this kind of goes back to where I'm at. It's like, if those are the things that you're going to use him for, I don't I don't know if the investment is worth is worth it because you're not maximizing his upside at that point. His upside is they believe he's a wide receiver one. At least that's what they've told us. He's a wide receiver one. But if he's never on the field, 
and the only way you use him is on end arounds, corn dog routes, punt return. I don't think that's worth a day two pick to me. I would rather I'd rather hold on to the pick and see what else I can get. Um, it's still fine to me. Like I'll never say I'll never say that it was bad, a bad investment because there's all, like you said, Jay, there's always been massive returns, like punt return. Super Bowl touchdown, all kinds of good stuff. But then don't tell me that he's a wide receiver one on your team. That's that's my frustration. The expectations were raised massively, and now he's not even going to play through the preseason. And this is the time that you're supposed to be able to get him ready to play in an Andy Reid system. And now we don't know if he'll be ready. I'm with you on that. It's one of the strangest things of the offseason to me is the the – Kadarius Tony is a wide receiver one. I'm like, huh? I was like, just because you traded for him, is that what you? No, no, uh, folks. No one was like hammering home that he was going to be wide receiver one until you all said it. So that's been one of the weirder things to me. Is you're you're right. Like that's why it is frustrating because they are basically coming out and saying we expected a lot of him. So hopefully that knee gets better real quick. Which does kind of bring us to the next question pretty organically. What can we expect from Tony? Like, what's reasonable with a guy with his history? You can equate this, Jacob, I think, to Sammy Watkins. It's an apt comparison. What What's reasonable to expect from Kadarius Tony at this point? Given the injury history, given what we know, he's, he's not maybe the most thoughtful person, given how he's handled some DMs that got leaked. Um, I, I I don't I don't want to speak to the man's character at all, but I just don't think that was maybe the most well thought out moment of his life. And you're putting the expectation of him as wide receiver one, which we all I think is wrong. So Sam, start us off. What can we reasonably expect from Kadarius Tony as a wide receiver with the Chiefs? If he's on the field, he has Patrick Mahomes, so that's 500 to 800 yards and four to five touchdowns. Because the one thing we know about Mahomes is he likes using weapons that he has. And he will find them. And if a guy's on, he's on, and he's going to feed him the ball. We saw that with MVS. MVS is, I think you could see, basically, I expect Kadarius in a different way of getting it to have MVS's production at minimum. That's if he's on the field. And that that's the big if. And, and I think the, like I said, I am... I am playing the optimist on this one in that this is an injury that has, because again, we didn't hear about it. He never, he, there has not been a report of a knee injury at any point, like uh, going through his history of injuries, like knee injury has never been one of the issues that has, has listed taken him out of the game. So my guess is this is something that's probably been bothering him since college. And it's finally getting fixed. And that and that's again potentially just uh him not knowing or, or misdiagnosing or something like that. I don't know. But I'm playing the optimist that the second cleanup surgery is is what's going to get him I won't say hundred percent. I don't think you'll ever see the crazy uh, just gumby like bin that he had in college. I hope he doesn't try that because he will just start breaking eventually in the NFL. But 
I think he's got the tools, and and that's why I believe they've said they they have a number one receiver. Is he has all of the tools athletically, um, and and his ability to catch the ball, high point the ball, and just run routes that scream wide receiver one. You just haven't seen it, and I think that was the optimism. <laughs> it's it's the chief chief's optimism that sold us that Jody Fortson is the next Travis Kelsey. Like, <laughs> so yeah, it, but, but I, I'm just, I, I would, I would think if he's on the field, MVS per, like production, if not a little more. Jacob, what about you? What do you think's reasonable to expect from Canaries Tony at this point? Let me correct Sam and say, Canaries Tony has already done his Gumby moves in the NFL. What has done for him is put him on the injured list. Uh, I looked up Sammy Watkins just because I he's a numbers I can never remember, but it actually weirdly ended up with pretty much what I was going to say for Tony was 10 games, 600 yards, and like four or five touchdowns was going to be what I was going to say. And Sammy Watkins' best year with the Chiefs, 14 games, 673 yards, and three touchdowns. I think it's going to be kind of that same thing, but... Numbers don't always tell the story because Sammy Watkins, you know, just came up big when he needed to. So hopefully that's what Tony is too, is hopefully he's healthy when you need him because that will be the biggest problem. If he's healthy, if he's, you know, banged up in weeks three through five and 11 and week 11 and 12, but is there in the playoffs in the last couple weeks of the season? Great. That's where my expectations are now for him. Not that they were ever super high, I was not believing the wide receiver one stuff. I I don't think that was ever the plan. I think it was, let's get a collection of guys and let's see if some of these young guys can develop into wide receiver two is two wishes. Uh, and before the season started, I would have said, I, I hope that he's an 800-yard receiver that, like you said, when he's healthy, is just an absolute stud. He realizes that talent. Now I am praying for McCole Hardman production. Like, I, I just want those level of stats. That's deep, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. Hey, man. Nicole Harmon last year was pretty was pretty great at times when he was healthy. The year before that, 2021 is what I'm thinking of. 2021, he had 693 yards. Like, he wasn't bad. He was pretty good. Like, I want that. From Kadarius Tony, like that's I, I'm praying for that. I think you're probably looking more like the two previous years when McCole was in the mid 500 yards receiving touchdowns of six and four. 2021, he only had two. 2022 looked like he was playing really well, and then gets hurt and just misses the rest of the year. So that's that's the part that sucks for him is that he was actually I think probably on pace to have a career year at that point. But I think that's what you're hoping for. Because Tony just can't stay on the field. And I think you're hoping that when he's on the field, like you said, Jacob, it's when it matters most. Last thing here for tonight, and then we will skedaddle and hope we get some better news coming out of training camp for next week. I'm going to preface this with, I know we've hammered home the point, your team has Patrick Mahomes. You know, Nate Taylor coined the phrase, we keep saying we have Patrick Mahomes. Sam, you've always been really good at reminding me that. It's like, hey, don't freak out about the wide receiver room. Without Tony, what's your confidence in this wide receiver room? 
because even though like last like last season like they lost Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey was still awesome, but you had Juju, and Juju was like going to be a thousand yard receiver before he got the concussion. He was absolutely going to crush it. He ended up with like nine hundred some odd yards. I'll look it up here, but he was gonna get to a thousand yards. And, and was really key in he had one monster quarter in the Super Bowl that really kind of spurred the Chiefs' comeback. You don't even have that guy anymore. And now you don't have even the, the hope of the upside talent with Kadarius Tony. You're relying on MVS, which we know what he is. He's a very fine wide receiver three, statistically. And you're hoping for guys like Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice to fill out their, their draft slot. That's that's a lot to put on even Patrick Mahomes. So where's your confidence level in this wide receiver room? Jacob, we'll start with you. I think having last year of evidence is the reason I feel okay. Because all you're really asking is, can Richie James slash Kadarius Toney put up the same numbers as Kadarius Toney and Nicole Hardman, which is... Nicole Hardman was 300 yards, and I don't think Tony was very much, like 200 yards maybe, not even 200 yards, I don't think, but I don't have his numbers pulled up at the moment. And then I think you're asking Sky Moore and Rashi Rice to put up Juju's numbers like you just said, and I think that's all you ask of those guys. And if you do, apparently it's a Super Bowl team, weirdly enough. And so like, I'm not panicking but I'm also not super excited because I also know that a collection of guys sometimes isn't the same as having Juju, who, even though he was a shell of what he used to be, would make some big bruising plays of just bouncing off guys. It's like, that is another thing that doesn't show up in the stat book of, this was a 10-yard catch that turned into a 40-yard touchdown. It's like... Do you have that guy? So that's my only worry is, is there somebody that's going to be a big play guy? Sam, what about you? You, you, I think probably been the, the loudest voice in the room of, we have Patrick Mahomes out of the three of us. Where, where's your level of confidence in this wide receiver room? If Tony can't, can't contribute significantly to that room. We have Patrick Mahomes, Sean. <clears throat> no, I, I think this is, this is a proof of concept year for Brett Beach. This is his, how far can I strip this wide receiver room down and still win the Super Bowl type of year? Because ultimately, when we, when we look at our team, I would say the weak point that you identify that's like, okay, there's obviously a something missing within this team is wide receiver. Every other position on the team we have at least one star, except for wide receiver. So if we go through this year, and, and this is before I get to my confidence with the wide receivers, more kind of concept of the year. If we get into this year and, and we do what happened against the Super Bowl with the Bucks, except instead of offensive line, it's wide receiver, where it's like there's obviously a glaring issue that is stopping us from going to the, to the promised land. That's where Brett Veach will be like, okay, that's where I pushed it too far. That's one step too far. And I think you'll see an adjustment on his on how he plays. But at this point, nothing has showed that, oh, 
I got rid of one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and guess what? I won the Super Bowl. How far can we go? So I think this that's the main thing that this will be, is this will be a proof of concept year. Because they have spent draft capital, obviously, on two young wide receivers specifically. So it's not like they're not trying to build that wide receiver room. It's just they haven't invested in a star. And that's hard to find. That's You don't always get the A.J. Brown trade. You don't always, like, D-Hop, even, even though he was available this year, he's an old receiver. Like, you're not going to land these super young star wide receivers as a team like we are. It's just not feasible. But what I think you're going to look at is, is exactly to Jacob's point, instead of having a 1,300-yard receiver, one 1,300-yard receiver, and then it kind of stepped down from there, we're going to have five 500 to 600-yard receivers and a tight end that has over 1,000 yards. Like, the production will be the, the – when you look at the total passing yards for Patrick Mahomes at the end of the year, it will look the exact same as Joe Burrow. It'll look the exact same as Justin Herbert. It's just going to happen in a very different fashion. Now, the only downside to that is we won't have those game breakers, and that will be the difference. Like, so I, I'm not too upset. Um, like, I think there is skill within each of these guys that that fills a role that this team needs. Um, and, and the ultimate thing for me is like, I hate, I hate falling back on that. We have Patrick Mahomes, we have Travis Kelsey, but we have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Like Travis Kelsey is a wide receiver. Don't let's not twist this into he's a tight end. He is a wide receiver that is just not fast. And so he is our wide receiver one and the rest of the guys are filling in for wide receiver two. So I, I'm not, I'm not too worried. Yes, it would be nice. I would be much more happy to have Kadarius' Tony skill set on the field, 100% healthy all year. But like like Jacob said, if he's there for the playoffs, great. He's our Jarek McKinnon of the wide receiver room. Fantastic. I am not as comfy, I think, as you guys. I'm not worried. Like, I still feel fine. I think, like you guys said, Mahomes is the X factor. Your wide receiver one is actually a tight end. So, like, there are, there are factors about this team that other teams don't have. But – you're now hoping that MVS steps up into that leadership role and and can produce like one, which he's never really had to do. Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice have to take a step. Like, and Rasheed Rice has never faced NFL competition. I, I don't like having to rely on a rookie to get you to where you want to go. And Sky Moore, God bless him, like, the confidence was there with the big punt return, and he did get the touchdown. But even the touchdown, he lined up on the wrong side of the formation. And Patrick Holmes was just, you know, great. So we'll see. I'm I'm fine. I feel okay. Because I want to see what they look like when pads get on, when preseason games start going, before I have any actual worry. But I I can see anxiety on the horizon. If you get to preseason games and it looks bumpy. So here's a question for you, Sean, just, just out of curiosity to play off your fantasy, your fa- dynasty fa- love. What does, cause, cause out of our wide receiver room, as it speaks right now, taking Kadarius Tony out, I think the guy we look at that's like, okay, he could be the one that t- steps into that is Rasheed Rice. And it's just cause we don't know what he is and he's a rookie and he was drafted relatively high with high capital. 
of last year's rookies, what do you have to see out of him to make you feel comfortable? Like what type of rookie performance this year do you want to see that it's like, okay, that eases my mind. <laughs> well, if you're going to use dynasty analytics, the, the target is a 17% target share and 600 yards receiving. If you want to get real nerdy about dynasty football. Uh, and that's, and that's for like indicators of guys who can then break out into, and this is getting into weird stuff, but like, top 24 wide receivers in terms of fantasy production, which is not actual NFL football. I get it. Like it's a very different thing, but that those are kind of analytical indicators of who you want to have. I would like to see, I I would love to see a 2021 McCole Hardman year, you know, 650 to 700 yards receiving with two to four touchdowns. Like, give me that. And that, and I'll go, okay. Like, he picked up the playbook relatively quickly. We're not having a, a redshirt year the way they did with Sky Moore. We know he has a role on this team and what it is. And we don't necessarily have to worry about filling that spot next year. It doesn't have to be a thousand yard receiver for me to go, that's the guy. I don't I don't need that. But give me something. You don't have to you don't even have to be Dwayne Bow. Just be good. Give me Give me that level of production. Give me a wide receiver, you know, a really good wide receiver three or a very okay wide receiver two on your team. Do that. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for us tonight. We appreciate you joining us each and every week. Hopefully next week we'll present some more optimism. Obviously there's you know a lot of consternation around Chris Jones and Darius Tony this week, but still very early in camp. Haven't started playing any games whatsoever. A lot of reasons to still be optimistic for your Super Bowl defending Kansas City Chiefs. Until next time, you all stay safe out there, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.